Our good friends at Johnio welcome you to this episode. Now, the iconic Johnio clothing brand logo of the surfer and his longboard first caught my eye several years ago, but it's the signature Johnio style where West Coast meets East Coast prep that truly changed the game for me, and I've been wearing Johnio ever since. And now our listeners can use promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order at johnny-o.com. That's 20% off the regular price. Price at johnny-o.com. Use the promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted built and inspired by the role of sports in their lives here's your host richmond weaver this is episode 124 thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen understanding your motivation in life is one crucial step towards reaching goals especially when there are so many obstacles in our lives And Kevin Johnson knows all too well of those obstacles growing up on the streets of Brooklyn, New York. Now, with the help of others, he would leave Brooklyn for military school in Virginia before attending Lackawanna College in Scranton, Pennsylvania, where his athletic skills on the basketball court would eventually be showcased on the football field, ultimately leading him to play at the University of South Carolina. Understanding that he wanted to follow his passion of coaching You can find him now at Pace Academy in Atlanta, Georgia as the offensive line coach where he helped the Knights capture their first state title in 2015, and he's also helping develop young men on their own path to success. Here's episode 124 with Kevin Johnson. Thank you, sir. No problem. I know we had uh, talked about breakfast and stuff, but hey, you don't do it. Intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting, man. I love intermittent fasting. So tell me, how did you come Um, into that? So it was a long process how I got to intermittent fasting, but for me, it was more um, went to the doctor, overweight, way overweight, obese to be exact. Um, I was about 489 pounds. That's when I I checked my weight. So, (laughs) So do you think you were more than that? I think I was more. Because at that time with the doctor, I was trying to, I was getting myself on a diet. You know, I was probably about two, maybe two, three weeks away when I started the diet and before I went to go see my doctor. And um, so I got on a scale. I never got on a scale before. And since 99, so 1999, and when I stepped on the scale, I looked at my doctor, she looked at me, she was like, okay, I got a plan for you. And so, you know, so I was taking some medication, gave her the medication and, and she said, hey, you're taking the wrong medication. You know, so she, uh, she, she, she redid my medication. She gave me a food plan, say, hey, be back in 16 weeks. 16 weeks, I was down 40 pounds. Wow. Then I went back again, I was down 60 pounds. And then, you know, by that time, it was maybe June, June 1 is when I started working out. Dylan Z. I mean, like I was. Hitting. So you just focused on diet at first. I just focused on diet at first because I felt like working out and being that heavy wasn't going to mix. If that makes sense to it you. Does you know? So um, I wanted to diet. Then I wanted to start that workout. So I'm, I'm more of a numbers guy and a and a guy that said, okay, cool. June first would be my start date. So June first, 2018 is when I started the process of working out. So I'm up every morning at 3.30 every morning. I'm in the gym by 4.15. My workout started at 4.30. And I go from 4.30 to 6 every morning. I record it live and everything, right? What I'm time not, are you going to bed, though? Uh, you know, listen, man, there's no such thing as sleep, man. You sleep when you're dead, you know? I just felt like I had to peel back a lot of calluses in my brain of, of telling myself I got to do this, you know? So then um, came across a book, um, Can't Hurt Me. And uh, by David Goggins, um, listen to the book on the way home, on the way to the gym and things of that nature. And then it's so many different key points he put in, in putting that book. Because he's went through his own transformation. He went through his own transformation as well. And so, so I think on a personal level, it helped me, you know, um, then you kind of figure out 
what the root of the problem is. Everybody thinks it's weight or you're a fat boy or whatever the case may be. But it's bigger than that. You know, it can be depression. It can be, you know, event that happened in your life and all types of stuff. And, you know, some people use food as, you know, as a suppression. Some people use alcohol. Some people use drugs. Mine was food. And I was an ex-athlete. Um, a guy that was 270 pounds dunking a basketball backwards and all types of stuff, you know. So, was point, there, so what was your <clears throat> situation that you felt that led you down this path um, where you were leaning on food to... I, I think, you know, it was, it was so many different events um, that happened in my life. So it wasn't just one? It just wasn't one, you know, it just wasn't one. And um, it was just so many different things that happened. And, and so, you know, when you hit a wall, you hit a wall, right? And... and um, and here's the thing, though, you know, I have a degree in social work, right? So it, it was just one of those things like, man, like, what's wrong? And I just couldn't, I couldn't climb out that, I couldn't climb up that hill. Yeah. Do you feel I like you were in a hamster wheel? Just couldn't, just yeah, spinning, yeah, couldn't move yeah, forward? Yeah, just, just couldn't move forward. You know, so it was just one of those things that I, I just didn't, I didn't realize what was wrong. You know, didn't realize what was wrong. And, um, but I knew I wanted to change. You know, I knew I needed, I needed a change. I wanted to change. I wanted to be healthy. And, um, and like I said, when I went to the doctor, that, that, that point there changed my life. You know, um, and What so, did the doctor say that was changing <laughs> your life? Well, you want to die? All right. Uh, you know, I had a son that was graduating this past May. Daughter, my daughter graduated this past May as well. Uh, another daughter graduated last year in May. And, I, 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 you know, as a young father... You know, I want to. I want to be there for my kids when they when they have kids one day, and, and um, so I took all that to account. Like, man, you know, certain things I couldn't do. I couldn't even tie my shoe. Right? You got you got to think about things like this, right? You, I'm an ex athlete, right? I was a I was a bona fide basketball player. I mean, I was a decent football player, but basketball, I take pride. That was it. Oh yeah, I was a guy. <laughs> now right? we're you talking. Know, that's my six sport four, too. <laughs> six three, two hundred fifty pounds. I mean, I thought I was Charles Barkley. Round mound and yeah. rebound. And and um, you know, when you don't when you can't do those things anymore, that start to that that depression cycle starts to happen. Yeah. So was depression real for you? Oh, depression was real. Pressure's real, but I had to face it. I had to, I had to see it. I had to, um, I had to embrace it, right? Because I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know what it was. And so when I uh, when I graduated and um, I started working social work and and working in group homes and things of that nature, I started to see the kids I'm working with, what depression is, right? So I was like, oh, I got what they got, right? Had to and be eye opening. Very eye opening, right? As I said, man, God put a lot of things in my way, and, and, and it's like, all right, all right, Kev, you're going to have to do this, do that. And, <laughs> and, and certain, certain things happen, certain events happen where I realized that, man, this is, this is what's wrong with me. So I became real friends, real close friends with the doctors and things like that, and you know, kind of told them on the side, hey, man, listen, I think, I think something's wrong. I think I'm depressed and things of that nature. So they would bring me in and, and you know, sit down, we have a conversation, and and um and they go back all the way to your childhood and events in your childhood, things of that nature, and couldn't find out I was. You know, um mom suffered for from it, sister suffered from it. So it was one of those so you things had some family that history. had some family history with it, you know. So just one of those things that it brought me to that five, four hundred and eighty-nine pound point. Right? And and so, you know, so like I said, I, I just I just knew there was a different way. Right. Um I I wasn't the old cat. You know, um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring kids and things of that nature. And I'm making them work hard and things of that. And I'm not doing it myself. You see what I'm Looking saying? in the mirror. Like, yes, yes, yes. So, so, you know, so once I started to understand that, then, you know, it became a lot different. You know, um, so 17 months in, man, uh, you know, since last, since last January 2018 until now, I've been rolling, man. I've been rolling. So, you know, I'm down about... You know, 152 pounds, 153 pounds, something like that. What's the discipline like to be able to do what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Because it also, I view it from a standpoint Mm -hmm. of these kids, they're seeing you do this. And what an example you're able to provide to them. But it just doesn't, it's not not easy. No. So, I mean, what's the discipline like for you to be able to do that schedule that you're talking about? Yeah. So... And again, reading that book made me realize everything is here, right? So I had to pray about it, right? 
Um, that, was, that's, that was my biggest thing. And, and I could show you in my wallet, man, you know, um, and I won't go through the whole thing, but somewhere in here. I was, I was hoping to see some green in there. Oh, uh, it's, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit in here. It's a, it's a little bit. So, so in my wallet, what I do is I write goals down, right? And, and so, um, so that's, that was my goal. You carry this with you. And I carry it with me, you know, every single day. You know, um, so that was the help of of me looking at this goal every single day. You know, um, January 1, when the new year came in, okay, these are the things I want to accomplish, right? And, I mean, had I hit everything on that? I, I, I didn't, right? I, I might have well, hit three. It's a process, three. though. Yeah, it's a process, it you is. know? And I might have hit three out of four, you know? And I, and I don't give myself a whole list of things and say, I got to do this, this, Well, this, it's got to be realistic. Got to be realistic with this process, you know? And so... So from time again, I look at this and I, I, I say to myself, I said, okay, cool. I took time to write this down and I got to take time to do it, you know? And so in doing this, in this discipline, right, it's, it's, it's a crazy regimen. So I started doing a, a one mile challenge. So after every workout, I do one, I run one mile, right? So which meant great for me. You know, that's how I come the weight was dropping off so fast. So my workout plan was Monday through Thursday. Um, Friday, what I started doing, I went from running one mile to two miles to three miles to four miles. Now I'm up to five miles now, right? So, so I do that every Friday. My cutoff limit time is 6 a.m. So whenever I hit 6 a.m., whatever I stop at, that's, that's the miles I ran, whether it's four, four and a half, five miles, you know? So, so that's every single day. That's every single day. But before all that, the meal prep, right? I bring my own food and I don't eat in the cafeteria anymore. But I had to do it, right? I had to do it just because, like I said, man, I wanted to be a good father, I wanted to be a good husband, you know, I wanted to be a good coach, I wanted to be a good mentor. And if people see me doing this, and and, and even people that that are out on coach, like other adults, I got cousins, everybody. Every day, you know, I'm, I'm on there at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. They said, man, every time I turn Facebook on, you on Facebook, right? Because <laughs> I feel like, you know, if I can, if y'all see me doing this, and I send a picture out on Facebook, what I look like then and what I look like now, 17 months, you know, and people was like, man, Kevin, I didn't realize you, you know, you, you, was, you was that big, you know, and because um, you see people on an everyday basis, you know, in everyday life, and you just kind of like, well, you're just a big guy, you that's know? Right. So, um, so, yeah, so that's... But you're setting that example as yeah. well. Yeah. And again, if it impacts one person... That's it. Right? That's it. That's what it's all about. I and and I, I look at your goals here, mm-hmm. and I, I'm a big believer in writing down goals yes. as well, because yes. it you got to have some self-accountability. Exactly. Uh, and, Again, life is life. Mm-hmm. You might not hit all of them, and maybe not in your timeline as well, because exactly. God has His own timeline. And, own and I, I see that your number one is getting closer to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And how important that is. Mm-hmm. Has that always been something that you, you know, had in your life? Faith, or when did that happen? Because um, for me, I didn't have that until well, I, my, ten years ago. Yeah, my my grandmother would always take me to church. We would go, you know, we would go to church and. But I didn't understand, right? You just go to church. That's you, right. you go buy. Go through the motions. Yeah, you buy nerves at the store and chips and stuff <laughs> like that. And you go sit down and all the nerves fall out your pocket in the pews and make noise while people praying. Right? So, yeah. So, so you don't really understand what, you know, God meant. You know, what, 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 all, that, what all those things meant. So I kind of just went through life just, just skating through. Right. The skiing through no accountability, no, you know, not praising, not having no faith and things like that. And, you know, raising a son, you know, it was always in the back of my mind that, like, man, I, you know, I got to I got to figure out some way to get my son into God, like into the Lord, like, you know, be faithful. But I had to find myself first. I couldn't tell him right. to do something if I'm not doing it, you know. So um, when I moved to Atlanta, you know, I met my wife a few years later and, and, and uh, we got married and. My wife was, you know, church every every Sunday. She was in church, and then he going to church. Now I ain't going to church. I ain't going to church, right? And then I started reading books about, you know, how you become a man. How, how you know how you are a man, and if you're gonna run a household, you gotta make, you gotta lead, right? Mm-hmm. And and so once I started reading those books, and I started saying, man, you know, I gotta start going to church because that's what my wife likes. And it's not that you know I gotta do everything she likes, but if you're going to lead a household, you got to set the example, you know. So I started getting them going to church and things like that. And, 
you know, one day we're at the church and it was my wife's birthday. It was on a Sunday, my wife's birthday. And I was just like, you know, I was just going back and forth in my mind. Like, you know, right? You know, hey, in the church, they say, oh, you know, get up and if you want to commit to the Lord, this, that, the third. And I was just like, I ain't going up. You know, you know, that thing in your chest, you kind of like, man, I'm not going up there. Right. So, you know, you know, we stood up and I was like, now that's, that's that time. My wife looked at me, she was just like, and my mother, Lord, is this her church as well. So, uh, you know, we went up there and, and started embracing it. And, you know, I started embracing it more and more. And I started writing things down. I started reading the Bible. My wife bought me a Bible that I can really understand. And I started to um, read verses that would, that meant something in me for my life, you know, and my goals and what I wanted to do. And, and so I knew I got serious because when my wife would work on a Sunday, I would go to church by myself. So I knew I'm like, okay. And not to say it to myself, all right, Kathy, you, you know, you really, this is not phony. You, you really yeah, because this. now you're doing it on your own yeah. rather than, oh, yeah. I've got to go to yeah. church because yeah. my wife enjoys yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, you're yeah. starting to connect. Exactly. And then some Sundays can go because we practice on Sunday. Sunday, we get out, we get out late. You know, I got to prepare a film and all these other things. I want to go. So basically, say, hey, Kathy, I'm going I'm to do an early service. Would you be here? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the early service started at 8 o'clock. So, you know, I'll, I'll be at the church at 7.30, sitting outside, drinking my coffee, you know. I'll get there for everybody to get there. So the pastor would be like, man, we get early. Said, you know. But I just like to go and, and get my mind right and just kind of read through these verses and, 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 and just, to, just to see, like, where I am, how far I came. So that was important to me. And when did then sports really become a big part of your life? Like, your earliest memories of sports and my, my uncle put me in basketball when I was about 10 or 11 years about 10 years old I mean I was maybe about five foot eight five foot seven I mean I was big for, for that yes. age and but I, was, I was horrible oh man I was terrible you know <laughs> and and you know as time went on and, and when you say horrible though what, what does that mean I couldn't chew gum and walk <laughs> I could, yeah 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 I couldn't chew gum and walk and and you know I, I um, but I got I had pride, right? I had pride. You didn't like being that way. Nah, you wanted to be. Well, better. just because I seen the kids my age that was a lot better than me, and I was kind of like, you know, at that time that was like the Stephon Mulberries of the world and, and and those type of kids, and I'm saying like, nah, man. I, I, so every day I'll go out there in the back and I'm taking getting shots up, learning, watching the older guys play because the older guys play at six o'clock, six p.m. when they got home from work. So I had to go and watch and, and emulate who thought who I thought that I can play like. It was a guy named Jeff Thomas who went to the University of Georgia back in the days with Dominique Wilkins. And Jeff was a 6'4 guard, um, you know, behind the back, through the lay. I mean, he was just beautiful when he played. And, and I was just like, man, I got to. So, you know, so one day, you know, Jeff is from the neighborhood and Jeff took me out to the back and, you know, he, you know, teach me few you know key pointers and 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 from that point on I, I I worked diligently every day you know every single day and I really got on the scene when I was like 12 years old played for the Riverside Hawks and then um then from that point you know it just kind of took off basketball wise for me and I mean not to a pro elite level but like but you fell me, in love with basketball I fell in love with basketball you know I fell in love with basketball and, and I was good at what I did you know so and did they try to put you in a certain position because you're a big guy? Did yeah, they say, you're a yeah, post player. Yeah, post player, things like that. But I think for me, I was more Anthony Mason, right? <laughs> you, know, I, you know, coming from you know Brooklyn, New York, you, at that time, Starks, Mason, oh, Oakley, those the heydays of Rondo the Blackman, you know, Doc Rivers, <laughs> Patrick Ewing. I mean, I go on and on, you know. And I used to see Mason in the um, – and, you know, I got a little older then, but Mason used to be at a tournament called Soul in the Hole. You know, if you Google it, Soul in the Hole, you'll see Anthony Mason. I mean, John Starks played in that tournament. And I see these guys, I'm like, man, that's, that's what I'm going to be like. You know, you know I, I, had the, I had the game of like a Charles Barkley, you know, the, the, the jumping ability as well. Um, I had a nice jump shot like Patrick Ewan. And like I said, I just tried to incorporate all these guys. Those guys were like my heroes. In some sense, from the sporting world, you know. So, um, but you know, growing up in Brooklyn is is is, is always distractions from sports. 
right? You got your heroes, you see, then you got your heroes in the street, you know? So it's just one of those things. Yeah, that how do you balance that? It was tough, man. And I always call myself, I call myself the split guy, right? Because I'll have one foot in, one foot out. Right? I, I wanted to be, you know, with the street guys, but then I, then I'm like, man, I love, I love sports. Because I knew the street stuff wasn't going to be there forever, right? Because I used to see so many different people disappear, go to prison, right? They die, things of, those, things of that nature. But I see all the guys that play sports, man, they just kind of just kept on elevating, elevating, elevating. I was just kind of like, man. Yeah, and, and regardless, it might not be elevating all the way to professional playing, exactly. but elevating just in yeah. life. In life, in yeah. life. And, and you know, come, like I said, and the way I grew up coming from Brooklyn, I never thought about going to college. Right. So that was not that was never on your radar. Oh no, man, no, that wasn't. <laughs> you know, and, and it's and it's so crazy because I didn't have that person to follow, to even to even like see um, who went to college. Right. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have those. That it guys. could be an option. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We. Didn't, I didn't know anything about it. They didn't know anything about SATs and and. All this other stuff that happens in, you know, for high school kids to go to college. And so... Um, and was your father in your life? No, my father was in prison, actually. He was in prison. He did 15 years um, and uh, came home. I met my father when I was about 21 years old, 19, about 2021, something like that. And I talk to my dad once a week now, right? We, we um, you know, we, we, you know, got a so relationship. So you have a good relationship? Yeah, we got a relationship where, you know, we, we, we talk every week. And um and I don't bring back I don't bring up old stuff I did before because that was part of the getting better from the depression right because all that stuff was part of my early childhood situation you oh, know that's what impacted so, you yeah. and shaped you early yes. on yes no doubt no doubt you know so it made me t it made me tough it made me tough and then like I said when you go up in Brownsville Eastern New York you know you you, you had to be tough got to have some toughness to you, you got to have some toughness to you you know and um and like I said I I'm, I'm one of the few that survived that situation, you know, and, um, and able to talk about it, able to um, give back to some of the kids that... And it's, did sports help you? Oh, sports. I mean, sports was Survive? Sports. You won't be talking to me right now. You know, if it wasn't for sports. Sports was everything. And um, I think, again, like I said, because I was a split guy, I think sports weighed heavily on me saying, this is going to be my way out of the projects. This is going to be my way out of getting to where I wanted to go, right? And, and, and the crazy thing about it, right, I always knew I wanted to be a coach, right? Never never one time I've ever said I wanted to be a professional ball player. Not one time, never. I've always wanted to be a coach because what I used to do is write down my starting lineup, right? Height, weight, where they're from, right? And then this is basketball now. Yeah. So you know how, you know, my star lineup was six eight, <laughs> six five point oh, yes. guard. Like, you know, so so the um, ultimate starting five. Yeah, right? correct, correct. And 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 so I always knew I wanted to be a coach. But when I went to um went to a and, and backtrack, I went I went to a high school called the Miller School, right? So at the time at that high school it was a military prep school. So um played in this all-star tournament and uh, I mean I put up about forty five points, man. That was you know, I was on fire. You were balling. I mean, I was I was on fire, right? And I almost missed the tournament. I almost missed the game because I was doing other stuff that I wasn't doing. And so, uh, got to the All Star game. I mean, it was my one one minute left until the game start. And you roll in. I rolled in, <laughs> took a couple shots up, and coach <laughs> mad with me because he like he like man, you late and all these other things. And and um, man, once I once I got going, man, I got going. And I remember that. You know, it was one particular person who I remember real well in the All-Star game. His name is Eric Barkley. Eric Barkley played for St. John's and um, played with the Trailblazers and things like that. The one, name very well. Yeah, one, one of the baddest guards I've ever played with. You know I mean? He and I played on the same team as well, but one of the baddest guards I've ever played with. And that day, that particular day, I was hot. I mean, I, 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 mean, I was on fire. So it was a slew of coaches over there. You had um, all the prep school coaches from New York City and, and um, the Christ of Kings of the world and those type of guys. And, and then... Had this little small school, little short white guy named uh, Joe Josephs, and um, he walked up to me and said, "Hey, um, I I really like you, and I, I think you need to come visit my school. I think it will help you." So I was like, "Well, well where's your school at, Coach?" Well, I was in Virginia. Nah, I ain't going to Virginia. <laughs> no, I ain't doing that. You know, that, you know. He was just like, you know, and at the time, you know, um, I was kind of handling my own situation at, at 13 years old. And um, you know, mom had a little breakdown, and so I was I was um, living with my grandmother at the time, 
And so I was kind of handling my own situation. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. So there was a guy named Sonny Lewis who, you know, to this day, I, I always say I owe him. Sonny Lewis, you know, passed away some years ago. But Sonny Lewis put me to the side. He was like, hey, he's called me KJ. Hey, KJ. He said, listen, I got this white man out here to come see you. You better go uh, and go see what he want. Nah, Sonny, man, you know, I'm, I'm a Brooklyn guy to the, to, to the death. He said, yeah, so am I. He said, but that damn Brooklyn ain't get me nowhere. So Sonny said, listen, come see me tomorrow. I'm going to give you the money to go get the, go get the train ticket. And, um, and you go with that man. All right, Sonny. Yes, sir. All right, when, so you believed in Sonny enough. Believed in Sonny. Believed in him step. because Sonny, the things I do now, that blueprint I always talk about with my guys, Sonny did that with me. And Sonny told me every block of the way that, hey, listen, if you do this right here, you're going to go wrong and you're going to end up coming back over here. But if you go this route right here, I can guarantee you get here. He said, but if you keep going in the middle, zigzagging in the middle, he said, I don't know where you're going to end up. That's right. Right? And that's, and that's how he broke it down to me. And so I was just, so like I said, I, I, um, I just followed him. And I said, all right, cool. I called Coach Joe up. I said, Coach Joe, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you at the train station. And, and um, got on the train, went to visit, did a two-day visit, you know, by myself, no parents, nobody there. And um, I was just like, man, you know, military school, I was kind of like, you know, the route I was going, I was like, hmm, I need this, right? At 13 years old, I made that decision, you know. And That's I a lot of self-awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At a young yeah. age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's, you got to think about it. Like, a lot of the guys who I grew up with, 12, 13 years old, they was getting murdered, yeah. right? They were getting murdered. My first time I seen a person dead was 10 years old. So when you see these things and you kind of saying like, and I got a good thing going with basketballs. I mean, I mean, I'm getting good. I mean, I'm getting really good. And I'm saying like, man, I, I gotta, I gotta change this up a little bit, you know. And so that's and and like I said, make a long story short, that's what I did. Went, um, had my mom sign the papers. Um, the school. What like, you think about it though? What did my mom think yeah, about it? Your mom. I, my mom was in a different space at the time. She just wanted me out in New York City. She was in a different space, you know, and um, and I, you know, I love my mom. I told my mom every single day, right? But she was in a different space, and so she was just happy that I was gonna get away. And um, and then you know, the crazy thing is, the, the year was it the year when the year before I went away, two friends of mine was murdered in the school I was going to, Thomas Jefferson High School. That's a, that was the school I was zoned to go to. Both of them was my friends. One got shot in the head. One got shot in the chest. You know, by by a student in the school that, uh, you know, a, a joke kind of went bad in some sense, you know? And, and so all that stuff came in play for me, you know, all that came in play. So moving forward, you know, I uh, go to middle school. I hate it. Oh man, I hate it. Had to be a rude awakening. Man, it was, it, it was a rude awakening. I'm, I'm in there with about 120 boys um, living in the barracks, you know, cold, um, smells. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it, you know, and, and and here's the thing. And to be honest with you, I'm 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 in there. I'm, I'm around white people. It was different we, for you. Yeah, we didn't see that in Brooklyn, right? You, you know, you see white people using Long Island or using Manhattan, right? I'm, in, I'm from Brooklyn, right? We we ain't used to this, right? We like you know we 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 cut a little different, and I and I'm, and I'm saying to myself like, I call I call I think I might have called my cousin. And I told him, I said, man, I said, man, this ain't for me. He said, what you going to do? I said, man, I'm going to talk to this lady. Her name, her name is Miss Jessie Hayden. Lo love this lady. And I, I went to Jessie Hayden. I said, I can't do it. He yeah, said, so you wanted to quit. And yeah, Miss Hayden had a deep voice, right? What do you mean you can't do it, right? <laughs> I said, Miss Hayden, I respect you, but I can't do it. We'll talk to your coach. So I'm going to talk to Coach Joe. Coach Joe, I can't do this, man. This ain't for me, man. I want to, you know, when basketball get going, you're going to see it's different. So it was a guy named, and I don't know if he's passed on yet, but, you know, a guy named uh, Colonel Tiller. Brought me in his office. He said, listen, I've been around guys like you all my life. You know, um, and Colonel Tiller stood about six foot three. You know, he's a colonel in the Army. Um, tough son of a gun. Tough. Made tough. And um, son was just killed in um, Desert Storm crash in the helicopter, right? So he told me the story. He told him, Tiller told me, he turned and looked at me, he said, let me tell you something. The only way you leave this school is if you burn the damn thing down. I ain't throwing you out. So you ain't going nowhere. 
I mean, I did everything in, in, in my power to get thrown out of school. Oh, you were I trying did to oh, I was trying to sabotage it. I trying to sabotage it. And when, he, Colonel, when Colonel Tiller left, retired, when the new president came, named, uh, Mr. Skipper, Colonel Tiller told Mr. Skipper, whatever you do, do not throw this kid out. He needs us. Right? And, at the t and again, I'm young. I'm 17 yeah, years old. You think you 16 can years run old, the world I think, I, I 17 think, yeah, years exactly. old. Exactly. <laughs> I think I, you know, I'm not listening to these people, man. These people don't know me. And um, so Mr. Tiller came in. I mean, uh, Mr. Skipper came in and, and uh, we, we had a conversation when he got there. And, and, you know, basically I was just kind of blowing them off. Like, uh, you know, now I'm in my senior year. <laughs> they hired a guy named Fred Asaph, right, Who who's now the the head of this school, right? So he was my English teacher. So he walked in the class. I'm like, I looked to my friend. I said, who the hell is this guy, right? Out loud. You know, I had a, always had a big mouth, right? I said, who the hell is this guy? So Fred and I, man, we, we, we just hit it off. We hit it off. Fred, Fred, you know, one thing I said about Fred, Fred was, Fred was a real dude, you know? And I, and I use that term loosely because you don't meet many guys, the guy I knew then, like that, right? And uh, he was married to a young lady named Martha, and uh, Martha was my math teacher, and, she, and he was my English teacher. And, um, and at that time, too, I, you know, I had a lot of, you know, academic problems, you know. Um, you know, going into high school, man, I can barely read, you know. So I would, you know, work with a reading coach every single day from freshman year to senior year, you know, every single day. Like, so I was diligent in wanted to be better, right? As I look back now and everything I've done in my process, I was diligent in it, but I needed that push. You need to push. Time. Exactly, because this is a 17, 18 year old young man that's kind of just out there, right? He just- No direction. Nah, no direction, right? No direction. And, and so, you know, me and Fred and, and going through my ups and downs back at home in the city, things of that nature, you know, Fred just kind of like, hey man, you know what? No matter what, I got your back, you know? Um, and I can remember my senior year, April, you know, everybody, you know, now, you know, they do the early decisions in college That's and all right. this other stuff. And Fred came to me, he said, man, what do you want to do? I'm going back home. What do you mean what I'm going to do? He said, nah, you got to go to college. I said, I ain't going to college, man. I said, I said, Fred, I can't afford college, number one. Number two, he said, well, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to fill out a financial aid package for you. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> right? Exactly. Tell us that. Because yeah. college was never on hey, your radar. Hey, there you go. You know, and so filled it out. Fred had connections in um, a town in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, and um, so he sent me to a sent me to a school where his cousin was the president, and uh, it's called Lackawanna College. And now it's called Lackawanna College before Lackawanna Junior College. So he sent me to the school. So I went to the school. Actually, I went to work out for the basketball coach. Basketball coach said, hey, "Man, I love this kid. This kid's gonna be great for us." Went to the school, did well. Um, you know, first. Couple of months, it was kind of boring out there. I'm in the town. It's yeah, boring. Scranton, Pennsylvania. Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's like, you know, the. But again, the I home that's not the, Brooklyn either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's mafioso out there, man. It's like all these Italian guys. I'm saying, where am I? And uh, so, you know, but, you know, like I said, but, you know, in, in that April of my senior year, Fred was like, hey, man, listen, I'm going to get you all set up, fill all my paperwork out for me. And, and, and actually, man, I, and I lived with him that summer. You know, I earned some money uh, working construction and, um, you know, he, he just wanted to set me up. And like I said, it was something about him that, that I said, man, this guy's, this guy's real. He got my back. You know, it just wasn't he wants something from me, right, and, and, and move forward. And he seen something in me, right? Um, so I always put, I put Fred in the category with Sonny Lewis, right? So those guys, those, 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 those guys, right, and certain things that they did in my life that kept me on, on this safe track. And, and then um, so I go to Lackawanna. And um, played for a guy named Eric Grumman. And, you know, Eric wasn't, he wasn't the best basketball coach. And I was just kind of like, oh, man. But Mark Duda, who was the football head coach over there, just started the program. Hey, big guy, man, why don't you come play for me? Nah, coach, I'm a basketball player, man. I ain't playing no football, coach. Man, come on, man. Just come on out. So two days go by. I remember on a Wednesday, walking home by myself. I turned around. I said, coach, that offer still on the table for me? So you want to play? I said, yes, sir. Come on. So why'd you turn around and go do that? What happened? I needed something to do. Because if I didn't, if I didn't do, if I didn't turn around, I was going to do something negative. Right? And I sensed it. I knew it. I knew something was going to go wrong 
you're going to put that foot in that other that side again. In, exactly, right? And so that's why I did it. And um, when I turned around, it was like a, right? So here's a funny joke, right? Coach said, go get your pads, this, that, and third. Coach cited. I didn't even know how to put my um, thigh pads and knee pads in. <laughs> hey, look, hey, one of the young boys in there. Hey, man, put the stuff in there for me. They're like, you don't know how to put it in there? No, I don't know how to put it in there. <laughs> so, you know, we had a guy named Al Mayfield. You know, everybody in the country looking at him. Wisconsin, Ohio State, big fullback, 6'4", 245, I mean, big, big fullback. So at that time, I'm about, I'm 6'3", 250. So coach said, what do you want to play? I said, I want to play middle linebacker. You know why? You tell me why. Mike Singletary. Oh, yeah. I used to watch Mike Singletary, right? <laughs> they love Mike Singletary. I was just like, I said, one of the greatest one, linebackers. One of the greatest, one of the greatest. And um, even took it, even had his number, right? So uh, first play. First, first time I got on there after like warm ups and all this other stuff, coach said, oh, he, you know, this, he had his whistle. Like, hey, big guy, we going, we going nine on seven. Get your big ass in line, middle linebacker. So I get out there. Uh, they run thirty two ISO, right? So fullback, big fullback coming at me. So I just took off. Wow, wow! I lit him up. Helmet came off, and and I mean, he on his back, and I'm, I mean, I'm talking crap, but my helmet hit my eye, so I can't see. Right, so I'm like, I'm like pretty much blind, but I'm talking crap, and I can't see. I'm saying to myself, "Where am I?" Right. So I mean, you know, Coach Dude. I mean, he was excited. He ran the same play again, and I did the same results. And and then um, from that point on, man, he just knew how tough I was. You know, he knew I was tough. And um, and and so you know, I played about four games my freshman year, and then you know, I went on that dark side. Got myself in some in a situation, and then um, I lost eight games, well, six games because of that, you know. And um, so it all worked out, you know. Came back, played my played my second year. Um, I had about a total of about 17, 18 scholarship offers, and so uh, so I went to go check on my counselor. So I was like, well, she was like, well, Kevin, you got the opportunity to play football. I was like, I can play no football. I'm just doing it because I was bored. And I, you know, she said no. She said it was about ten coaches here looking at you. Really? They said, yeah, they can't look at your grades. I'm like, okay, you know, I had decent grades, you know. Like I said, I, I worked. I was diligent. Yeah, you, I did. sounds like it. So, you know, at the time, I think if I had like a 3.1, something like that, going into going into my second year. But at the same time, I had a 4.0 in my major, right? So this thing about a kid from Brooklyn, right, taking criminal justice, and you taking all types of investigation, investigation class and things like that. You don't think I'm going to get a 4.0 in that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, exactly. I'm like, man, this is my, this is my type of stuff here, you know? So, uh, so yeah, it was just, you know, they came and looked at my grades. And, you know, so I had to take, um, so the sheet, we came up with a blueprint. So I had to take um, 21 credits the spring. I took 18 credits that fall. 21 credits spring. Then I had to take six more credits that summer. Man, that's a heavy load. Right? So then, I know I graduated. When I went to South Carolina, I had to take three more classes to get to be eligible. To get in. Yeah, to be eligible. You know, so, you know, but it but it's like, and again, backtracking, and, you know, I had Sonny Lewis, I had Fred, then Mark Duda, the football coach, right? Had that, some key guys in your life. That's, that's, that was my key guys. So now, were you, from a motivation standpoint, mm -hmm. were you motivated to prove people wrong that didn't believe that you could do something or is it more of these guys that did believe that you were going to prove them right i was more improving my to myself mm -hmm. right i was more of a self guy I never really cared about what other people thought of me to this day i'm the same way right mm -hmm. um i was more about proving to myself that i i don't have to be on that side of the track right i don't have to be that that guy um but i also i'm also a loyal guy Right. And so that loyalty came in whereas, OK, these guys did me a favor. They helped me with my life. So what's my payback to them? Right. So my payback to them was just doing well, doing well. And, you know, something is always to tell me all the time. When you make it, you come back and you bring two more with you. And, you know, and he always kept on saying that to me. And I never knew what that meant. Right. Until now. Well, I see it on your goals. Yeah. Continue to help people. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's who I am. That's, you know, I, I tell people all the time and, and you say, man, you, you could have made this and you could have did this. Listen, man, life is not all about the money. 
right? Everybody always thinks success is about how much money you made, right? That's not what success to me. Success is to me is how many people have you helped? How many people have you got over the bridge? Because I know how many people got me over that bridge, That's right. right? I know that. So how many people you help get across that bridge? And, and that's how when you go check in to God, with God, right? And so that's why I'm carrying out this mission, right? And I, and I call it a mission. I'm, I'm carrying out this mission because I, got, I have so much to do. I have so many kids I got to save. I have so many avenues I need to go down because I see things happening before it happened, right? I was, I was, God, God gave me a gift. When I see trouble coming to the right, I go left. And now I, I you know, and I've taught my son that. And, and he, he, he sensed it. And, you know, I mean, my son, he's nothing like how I was. You know, I kept him on, you know, straight So you had some guardrails for him, huh? Well, I did because cause I, I took all the burn of everything, right? You I touched all, that hot yeah, stove I took, already. Yeah, yeah, I took all of the, I, I, you know, I, and I told him this. And I said, I got in trouble for three or four lifetimes of people. You know, and, and, and when I tell kids, I say, when you follow this blueprint, I guarantee be successful. Guarantee. Right. And I'm not just talking about, again, being a professional. Athlete. That's right. It's not always about I'm, that. I'm talking about life. Life. It's about yeah. life. Right. And that's what people fail to realize all the time. People always think, oh, he only talks to the professional guys. Man, it's how I train nine, ten-year-old kids, <laughs> right? Because uh, it's like... Start them early. Yeah, I see something in them. That's right. You got something. Yeah. And it's just not, you know, kids that need discipline in their household and their parents these days are scared of discipline. So it's kind of like me, I don't care, <laughs> right? Like, you call the police, I don't care, right? I, I'm doing my job as a man. So, you know, so yeah, man. So like I said, it, all now, these things happen, happen there. Why South Carolina? I'm a Clemson guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so... I tell you why. My grandfather lived in South Carolina. Grandfather was a big Gamecock guy, right? Um, still lives in South Carolina, Port Royal, South Carolina. And um, I, uh, when I got the opportunity, SEC, South Carolina, Clemson, ACC, Syracuse, Big East at the time, um, I kind of toyed, went back and forth with that, you know? Went to Clemson for a visit, went to South Carolina for a visit, Syracuse for a visit. Um, um, Arkansas, and I was just kind of like, you know what, my grandfather liked South Carolina. You know, I was a big fan of my grandfather just because, you know, he was a, uh, a war vet, POW. He was he was uh, captured for about two or three years, you know, um, got his way out, got all his men out. No one died, you know. Um, so I looked up to him, and I seen the way he treated his kids, you know, um, so, so I, I was just like, man, you know, I, if I can do anything, that, that I think I can honor him doing that, right? Still alive, 92 years old, right? Still, Love still, it. still running the streets. Talking about somebody who faced adversity. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, man. So you know, so when you when you get to talk to a guy like him and, and be around him, and so that's so that's why South Carolina. Now, how are you trying to pass on this wisdom, this knowledge mm -hmm. to these group of kids that you're coaching year in and year out? Because I know it's got to be a challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge. Because of mm -hmm. social media gets in the yes, way. Yes. So many different distractions. Yeah, yeah. And then just human beings yeah, being yeah. that I can take over the world. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm indestructible. I'm yeah. Superman. And yeah. how do you balance that? I think one of the first things that I like to display is trust. Right? And, and I tell guys from the beginning, if you trust me, you're going to go a long way. Right? And I said, it's nothing in me. It's nothing, it's nothing that I want from you, right? I said, all I want from you is, all I want to do for you is guide you, right? And so when guys come in and I get them, I say, hey, listen, this is not a four-year plan. This is a 40-year plan. I said, I'm with you for the rest of your life. If you allow me, if you trust me to do though, if you do so, you know, I said, so um, if, that, if this happens, now we got to come up with a game plan. So when guys come and they, play, they actually play for me here at the school, by the sophomore year, we got a blueprint on what we want to do, right? And, and it's all about that blueprint. About like you blueprint. keep you keep referencing it, so yeah, that that yeah. is a foundation. That's the foundation. That's the foundation, and I didn't understand what that was back then, right? But now I do, and seeing it work, right? Come up with a plan and seeing it work and actually working the plan, right? You know, draw that blueprint up. You're kind of like, oh man, 
right? Because some kids think is like, nah, coach, I don't think I can reach that point, right? I got a kid right now. And I said, man, this is amazing. I was going through my notebook when I sat down with him and it kind of went through goals, right? What's your dreams? What's your goals? And so when they tell me their dreams and their goals, what I do, I come up with that plan. Well, this is how we're going to attack this dream and goal. Ah, coach, man, I think you're a little crazy. We're going to do it this way. Because he didn't feel that they were realistic? Or he didn't feel like real, work? He didn't feel like it was realistic because people didn't believe in him, right? See, but me, the type of person I am, because I know people didn't believe in me, but I never cared what people believed, right? That was my thing. He wasn't like that. He wanted everybody to like him, right? And, and so, I mean, we, we, we went through every box, right? And he got his nomination for the All-American, the U.S. All-American game. He called me, coach, guess what? I said, what? Man, they just, they just said, I, you know, I'm a nominee for an All-American game. I'm, I just pulled up to my house, and I got the car, and I screamed as loud as I can, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I screamed loud as I can. He cracking up on the phone. And so, you know, so he got the nom, he got the nod, he went, and, and I was just so happy for the kid because – People don't know what we did in the dark. They don't know what we did in the dark. They don't know what the kid had to go through to get to this point because I'm tough, right? I'm tough, I'm grueling, and I'm going to get every ounce of talent out you. They, they, people don't understand that. He didn't come in with a name. He was nobody. And um, so when he made, so he made the All-American team, his flight was leaving at 9 o'clock that morning. So he called me, coach. I said, hey, be at the house at 5.30. A.M. Got there about five fifteen. We in my yard. It's dark. I turned my truck sideways so the lights can hit him. Put the lights on. Got the music up a little bit, not too loud, cause the people in the neighborhood, right, being respectful. But we worked. We worked about an hour and a half. Went back. Went home. Went to the airport. You know, took child, whatever. Did did what he had to do. So I was watching them every single day because they was streaming it live. And you know. We wound up being the, one of the best linemen at that game, right? One of the best linemen, right? Going into college, he wasn't highly recruited, so people didn't believe in him again. And I said, hey, listen, if we do these type of techniques and do this type of thing, you'll be ready freshman year. I said, the goal is to start freshman year. Coach, you really got to do it. Yeah, you can do it. I know you can do it. We just got to follow this blueprint and this plan that we had. One of the goals now, freshman All-American. Check the box, right? Started, started all those games freshman year. Sophomore year, right? Go back to the goals now. Go back to the plan. All American. Check the box. All right? So that, those are the individual stuff that we talked about. So he called me, coach. I'm a semifinalist for the outlet award. Not one of the ones in the box. Right? So we talked about all this stuff, yeah. right? And there's two more goals that, that has to be checked off. And, and, and so when you, when you see this process happen, I don't ask myself how it happened because I know how it happened, right? And it's not with me. It's just what he believed. So it, like, you, you can know, help give him that path and it. some understanding, but at the end of the day, it's him. Right. You got to trust. It's him. You got to trust that. You got you to trust, trust what you're seeing. And then you got to trust yourself, you know? So... Um, like I said, man, I, you know, I've always been an underdog all my life, right? I like underdog guys. <laughs> I don't like the guys that got the big names, right? Because with big names, become a big head. And you can't, you can't really detain those type of kids, you know? So um, what about from a, like, words of wisdom? I mean, you, you, I know uh -huh. it's, it's probably hard to narrow it down, but mm -hmm. have there been any phrases, quotes, models, or just life advice that, You've leaned on, and maybe not your whole life, but just a part of your life that is important to you that you share with individuals. Well, I created a poster one day, right, years ago. And on top of the poster, it says, if a man don't work, a man don't eat, right? And I kept that poster. So I used to say to myself, like, hmm, this is going to be good for these kids because... And on that poster, it had doctors, it had lawyers, um, you know, football players, police officers, and these all these made up of football kids that played for me, right? So I made that poster because I wanted to make sure these kids understand we're not just ball players. You gotta work in order to eat, 
right? You gotta work in order to support your family. You gotta work in order to get the things that you want. And, and so that phrase right there meant everything for me. And, and like I said, I still use it to this day. You know, I, tell, I still use it to this day. Well, you know? It's very well said and it's yeah. very wise. It's uh, very simple. Yeah, very simple. It's basic. basic right? Nah. You don't have to make it complicated. Nah, nah, you know? Because, nah. I mean, at the end of the day, life is complicated. It is. But if you can break it down yep. into those basics, those yeah. uh, fundamentals, mm -hmm. the blocking and tackling, well, you that, know, football cliche, well, but right? I mean, it, it's all about that. Yeah. What about though? I mean, I see you wearing your, your Air Jordan stuff. Oh, uh, you're Knicks guy, so <laughs> yeah, I'm a Knicks guy, about, man. Hey, listen, so you is know, it MJ is well, the goat or well, what? MJ is the goat, ain't okay, no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> ain't no doubt, MJ is the goat. But you know, we we are we are uh, a Nike elite school. You know, I also coach basketball here, so you know, I just kind of like the if I if I wear the top, I gotta wear the shoes. Well, right? Of like course, I, man. You know, yeah, so I, that's the type of guy I am, man. So but you get your style too. Yeah, man. yeah, I got that's my own right. style, man. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so hey, much. Hey, man, appreciate man. you, man. Thank you, greatly thank appreciate you. it. Thank, thank you. you. Man. We always hear that it's better to give than receive, but for many of us, that can be very hard because we all want to achieve certain goals in our lives and do it our own way. Now, we have certain motivating factors, and those can be internal or external, but when you can focus on the concept of helping others as Kevin continues to do each day, then you never know what gifts you will continue to receive to help reach your goals. Now, that finishes episode 124, and more of our conversations can be found on your preferred podcasting platform, and you can also watch some of our episodes by visiting our Rich Take on Sports YouTube channel where you can easily subscribe. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. Thanks for listening.